Hello, Scream Demons, and welcome to the Screams from the Basement podcast with Sam and Casey. This is a bi-weekly horror podcast in which two horror fans discuss all things horror, including news, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. Hey, I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And, and let's, let's get, get screaming. Nah. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yeah. We're here. We're, we've made it. We're back. We're back with another episode. Back with a uh, brand new Screams from the Basement Sam, how the heck are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? It's been a busy couple weeks. It's been a very busy couple weeks, as as you and I talked about before we started the show. Um, we've been very busy. I think we can talk. We should start talking about stuff we do. Yeah. I mean, it's our it's our show. We can talk about whatever we want. It's also like it should just be implied in what are you do be doing? You yeah. Because we do so much more than watch movies. Yeah. We, we sometimes make them. Yeah. And sometimes we go to cool theaters. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of things. Maybe we... Should we start with that? As people are kind of trickling into our live stream here on... Yeah. On streams from the basement. We are streaming live again. Uh, it's not a regular day that we stream these. Usually a Monday or Tuesday. Usually. Uh, evening uh, that we... That we re- I want to say record. We stream these on yeah. Facebook, on YouTube, and on on twitter x twitter. whatever whatever you want to call it the the twitter logo still on Streamyard, so still it's still twitter to me damn it <laughs> we're gonna put the myspace logo down there just to have all the <laughs> is it is myspace all the still a thing i think they tried to rebrand a couple of years ago so like they're a thing but no one uses it anymore yeah. so it's a bummer yeah poor myspace i miss being able to have my like top five songs <laughs> mm-hmm See, let, that's why the Letterbox gets gets it right. You at least get your four favorite movies. Yeah, that's, that's true. Top, you know, one of the movies we're talking actually, a couple of the movies we're talking about, I think tonight made it into uh, made it into my top four this week. Okay, I threw some I threw some underappreciated ones that I love up into my uh, into my top four. If you're a Letterboxed four, I know certain people they put like, hey, these are my favorites of the month, or these are my favorites mm-hmm. of the year, these are my favorites of all time. How do you how do you do yours? Um, so I started with like all time, but that's like boring. I don't know. I I hate I hate having the same top four as everyone else's because I look for I look at people's top fours to like figure out what else I should watch like what other people love so much. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for a while I had like empire strikes back and back to the future and all that, but like everybody knows those movies. And as much as I dearly love them and they are some of my favorites of all time, a lot of times, like my top four is just like movies that I'm like, no, like if I was going to sit down and like try to introduce someone to four of my favorite movies, like someone who hadn't seen a whole lot or, you know, maybe they have and, it's just mm-hmm. these are ones that I find underappreciated. That's kind of how I operate. So I change my top four a lot. And right now I'm I have don't don't say what it is. I won't. Okay. But I, I'm I'm stoked. I actually, yeah, there are two movies in this episode that I will talk about that I have in my top four currently. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's yeah. let's let's tease the people. This can be our through line this episode, Sam. Yeah. Without so that we're throwing this out in the chat, people out in the chat there out there listening, tuning in, uh, please let us know what you think is in Sam's top four. 
without going to my letterbox without going cheating to sam's letterbox i'll do the same what's in my top four my top four is all time yeah not i think i know like some my, of yours not my one two three four but within my top 20 is usually where it falls in yeah that's how i used to operate a lot and i was just like i don't know i just like uh i like boosting up things that i've been mm-hmm. like watching a lot recently or like you know I mean, I'm pretty sure I threw Tammy and the T-Rex up there for a couple I've months seen, after yeah. I saw that movie, you know, like. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess without knowing. I don't know what's in your top four. I'm going to guess Chopping Mall, Reanimator. Just because we're, we're going to talk about it, and I know how much you've been gushing about it. I'm going to say you're going to say Lords of Salem, which, okay. hey, that's going to be our topic for today. We'll get into that in a second. Um and one more. What's what's one? I'm gonna say you you have. It's a recent watch. It's a recent watch for the other yeah. one. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, re? Did I say Reanimator? You did, and I'm just gonna spoil it now and say that one has been in my top four okay. a lot. That's not one of them currently. Okay. I'm still gonna. That was one of my guesses. The last one I'll throw in there. I have no idea. I'm gonna throw in the the. The Lost Boys, just because I know okay. that. those are my four. I don't know. Okay, I yeah. do love the Lost Boys quite a bit. Yeah, that's a that's a solid. Yeah, that's a you know me. <laughs> I do, I do. You can probably guess most of mine anyway. Um, I'm pretty sure one of them is Wayne's World. Like okay. always, okay. I don't know if. Yeah, one of them's definitely Wayne's World. For a while, you had the Wizard of Oz in your top four, but I don't think it's in there anymore. I'm going to go with Wizard of Oz just because that's an out there pick. Um, I'm going to say. Oh, God, I don't know. Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Three. Nightmare on Elm Street. Three. Okay. Because I know you like that one more than the original. I do. I do. And Dream Warriors for Life. I'll give you a hint since you gave me hints that some of yours are in your recent watches. Okay. I have my favorite, my favorite filmmaker of all time appears in my top four. So the problem with me being so hyperbolic all the time is like when people gush about directors, I assume that they're calling them their favorite directors of all time. Mm-hmm. So there's like four different filmmakers that are running through my head right now. <laughs> there's, I guess there's four options for you. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to go with Puppet Master. No, not Puppet Master. God damn, I don't know. <laughs> um, there's going to be a full moon one in there, isn't there? I don't know. Charlie doesn't direct some of my favorite full moons, though. That's true. That's true. Um, <sighs> Gypsy, get off of my lap. Oh, my God. <laughs> not my um, top four. Gypsy, get off. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to say Halloween. I'm going to say Halloween. I I think that one, I don't know. That one pops. Everybody loves that. All in my my top 20. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good guesses. All right. We'll get to that uh, again at the end of the show. We'll we'll talk about our letterbox favorite for. Yes. yes, But this episode, we are talking about Mr. Rob Zombie. We are talking about the... The auteur Rob Zombie. Yeah, we yes. said it. We're going to say that right away. 
Mm-hmm. We both love Rob Zombie. Yes. I think both as a musician. Mm-hmm. Oh, as for a, sure. As a musician. For like, sure. So that's the, okay. We'll get I, to this a yeah. little later on. I, I've loved him as a musician. We've yep. loved him for a, as a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Now in the last year or two, I can say I love him as a filmmaker. Yeah. I, I think we're pretty similar in that. I think when we really get into the topic, like we will. Yeah. We'll get into it. Yeah. We'll, we'll have some, we'll have some similar threads, I think. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about two of Rob's most zombiest movies. We're talking Lords yeah. of Salem from 2012. And we are talking about the animated film, the haunted world of El Super Bisto, <laughs> both films that kind of just lean into everything. Rob yeah. Zombie. I think the only other thing we could throw in here is probably Devil's Rejects as like, yeah, because like, the little part that we're missing, but we get we get some rejects in in El Super Beasto. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird because I feel like both of these movies that we're discussing are a little bit outside of the like they're outliers in his filmography, and maybe yeah. that's why we gravitate towards them because I feel like you and I are always kind of gravitating towards the like odd things or the weird. Mm-hmm. The the weird entries in a filmography or a series, you know, yeah. Um, except for Star Wars, when you're, where you like all the boring ones, and I like the interesting ones. <laughs> sir, sir, are you calling Return of the Jedi boring? Oh no, I think the original trilogy is perfect. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm more referring to the JJ verse. The JJ verse. Yeah, we're not talking about. We're not doing the Star Wars episode. We're maybe not doing down, the Star Wars. Maybe episode. we'll do one down the road. And <laughs> we just should at some point, at just other, because right? we we have so different opinions yeah. on that. We'll do. This is what we'll do, Sam. We're gonna do the David Gordon Green trilogy, with, <laughs> and the Star Wars, the new Disney Star Wars trilogy, in the same episode, and just get them out of the way. Oh God, that is gonna be a bloodbath. Yeah, like that can be our only segment. We just. We don't even have the theme song. It just opens with us screaming at each yelling other. at it. It's like an episode of Sunny, and we're just yeah. yelling at each other. Yeah. Uh, Sam. Yeah. Before we get to uh, screaming mad news, uh, mm. like I said, let's talk a little bit about what we've been what we've been doobie. I guess maybe you want to say that for doobie 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 yeah. doing for what we're actually do doobie doing. Yeah. Okay. So Casey- okay, we'll save it for that. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to, let's yeah. get to, to let's get yeah. to seller mad. What am I saying? Scream, seller screaming scream mad, mad news. Screaming mad news. Okay, let's let's get to that again. Let's let's start with this first news article. We're going to talk about 2023. You suck. Yes. You're awful. You're the worst. Yes. We thought 2020 was bad. Uh, no, 2020 was bad, and this year I feel like in in a very different way. 2023 yeah. is bad. Last time we 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 talked about the great William Friedkin and Paul Rubens. I mean, we've talked about so many people on I feel the like show. It's been almost every episode we've yeah. talked about someone it's, losing it's, someone. Yeah, it's time for a break. But yeah, to, today un, un, unfortunately not not that day. And this is more a, a again we want to talk about him. He is a wrestler. This isn't a wrestling podcast, but I kind of talked about it last time when we talked about our horror origins almost Mm -hmm. that's horror wrestling characters were kind of a big part of that for me and i don't think i mentioned his name at all and i probably should have 
The name I am mentioning is the great Bray Wyatt who passed away earlier this week. Yep. At the, he was only 30, 36, 36 years old. Very, very young, uh, suffered complications from a heart attack. He was just on TV. Not that, that long ago, just little less than a year ago. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about him just for a, a brief moment here on the show because he is, he was, uh, we said this on our socials, he was one of us and he truly was. He was a, a creative, endlessly creative individual. He created so many iconic characters while playing basically one character his entire run in WWE as Bray Wyatt. Um, real name Wyndham Rotunda. He showed up in WWE as a character named Husky Harris, was his first character. Uh, mm-hmm. In the Nexus, that was a, a character that was just not not going to work at all. But what he did was create the Bray Wyatt character, which is almost this this cult leader, this Cape Fear type of character. Cape Fear was a big inspiration on this this character of Bray Wyatt that was kind of this backwoods cult leader, and had so many great iconic moments. I still remember hearing about him in NXT when I was watching. Uh, in like 2012, 2013, hearing about him there. And then when he finally showed up on, on the main roster, it was like, this is, this is cool. This is interesting. This is new. And then unfortunately for me, when his character kept developing, I stopped watching when the fiend show up, showed up. Mm. I wasn't watching WWE during that period when he showed up, but that was one of the reasons why I went back and started getting into it again was, Oh my God, look at this. I still remember I wasn't watching, but I saw he won the universal title and he had like his mask as the belt and i'm like this is this is insane this is terrifying and to hear tom savini's company worked on the fiend mask and the belt for him and created like that that lantern that was bray's yeah. face like with the mouth open it was i mean it was obviously horror horror stuff and uh sam you you got introduced to bray at the royal rumble this past yep. year with the weird, very, very weird lights out match he had with. Yeah, the Mountain L- Dew pitch black. Oh, yeah, the pitch black cage match. match. Yeah, yep. yeah. With L.A. Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was that was actually Bray's last match. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy to believe. And what a, what a Bray Isn't... way to have a final match, though. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible in that match, too. Yeah. Like, I, I remember, like, at the end of that night, the match that was in my head was the Mountain Dew pitch black match. And like, he just, and it was because of him, his whole performance and it just, his physicality in the ring, the way he just completely commits to the performance. Like it's, I don't know. I, I I've waited almost the whole year now for him to return to the ring. I've been so excited for it. And uh, yeah, that news hit hard. It was tough. Mm -hmm. It was tough to hear. Um, I like, he's one of them that when I really started going down the, uh, rabbit hole on wrestling, I started, uh, going back and watching some of his like old matches as stuff as the fiend. And like, he's just, he's incredible. He's mm-hmm. unmatched. Like, and like you said, he's one of us. He's a horror guy. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that Savini was behind the, the mask and the lantern and all that because it, it screams Savini. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and WWE did a, I mean, every wrestling company kind of felt this and they did a great WWE did a great tribute show to, to Bray this past Friday. And yeah, yeah. definitely go, go check that out. And 
support that. And again, uh, one way I guess you can support, I guess we haven't really thrown this out there for much, much stuff that we've talked about with people passing this year. But if you do want to support Bray and his, his family that he left behind all the merchandise sale on WWE's website, Bray Wyatt wise, um, we'll go to the family. So get those fiend mask and get those uncle howdy and get those uncle howdy masks too. So. Hell yeah. All right, Sam. Uh, next thing, I'm not. I'm not done talking about wrestling, Sam. I'm sorry. We're gonna keep talking no, about. No, let's it. talk about it because this next news story is awesome. <laughs> this next news story is is insane. It's awesome. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game just released. We're not gamers, so we're not gonna talk about the game itself. But it did just come out. Uh, I think was it this past Friday or the Friday? Bef- I think it was the Friday we released our past I, last episode. I think correct? so. Yeah, because yeah. it was it was TC it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. Yeah. It was. Um yeah. but we're talking about the game. More specifically, we're talking about a tie-in to the game from a different wrestling company. We're talking about all elite <laughs> wrestling. We're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Ma- Tex- Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre Death Match, I think is what they called it. A play on the Texas Death Match, which is a very, very old school wrestling match, been around for a very, very long time. And this match was was the great Jeff Hardy versus another great Jeff, the great Jeff Jarrett. And it was a tie-in with a video game. They had crazy things going on. There was a Leatherface belt apparently on the line for some reason or another. Leatherface makes a run-in at the end of the the match. It was it was insane. It was kind of anything and everything you expected from a match called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Death Match. Um, yeah, a perfect horror tie-in. Horror and wrestling, like we said last last episode, go hand in hand. Another another example of that, this time from the AEW side of things. Heck yeah. Thanks, John. All right, let's get to a few comments here before yeah. we get to what we're, we're do be doing. Um, first up, uh, Silas, Matt, joining us. Star Wars horror movies. This needs to happen. Uh, I yes. don't know why Disney has not not done that yet. Their uh, their Lego animated um, Halloween, Halloween special is pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Runyon popping in before his live stream uh, in, yeah. in about forty minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John says uh, screens from the basement. This is cool to lift up Bray. Bray's the man. He was he was he was legitimately the the, the coolest. And then John also says, can we address the amazing nerd shrines in the background for the both of you? I mean, they are. They're yeah. they're, they're pretty awesome. Sam's hat <laughs> is okay. <laughs> Casey was with me when I bought this hat. I appreciate I, you, John. I don't remember that. <laughs> it, was in the, it was in a mall. I don't remember what city it was in. Oh, okay. Sure. We went to Spirit Halloween or something. I don't we know. did. Hey, speaking of Spirit, have you gone to Spirit? I did. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I uh, I bought some stuff that I don't have with me right now. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just talk about it really quick. We're going to get to yeah. Doobie Doing in, in just a second. Maybe, Sam, you can pitch us, pitch us right into Doobie Doing then. Yeah. All so right. let's just let's start with it. Casey, what have yeah. you been Doobie Doing lately? All right. Let me talk to you. Uh, the first thing, let's talk. <laughs> let's let's talk about Spirit Halloween. Spirit yeah. Halloween opened up here in Sioux Falls. I believe last time we recorded, I think was like the the opening day here. Yes. Yes. And okay. It, it took you a matter of days and it took me almost like, yeah, like God, it took me almost a week. Yeah. Crazy. I, I, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I, doing? I've been so busy. <laughs> so the only thing I purchased for myself is 
one of these VHS like mystery boxes. I've, I mm. purchased the Halloween two one. Haven't even opened it yet. I want to do like a TikTok with it. I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, do it. Haven't opened it yet. It's just sitting there. Uh, Kayla pretty much bought every Mars Attacks thing in the store. Uh, we got like a door cover. She got uh, a cup, a blanket. I don't know what else. Stickers. Who knows? But yeah, the store was awesome. The only yeah. complaint I have: Spirit starts uh, stocking more t-shirt sizes. Yeah, that's always been an issue. They always stop at like large, and I'm like, yeah. Horror it's fans weird. are usually bigger guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, come on, like, if, come on. If Kane Hodder walked into a Spirit, he wouldn't be able to find anything. <laughs> I'm gonna say you have a gigantic, like seven foot tall Leatherface. He is. He's not fitting into that medium sized Terrifier. Shirt. No, no, he's not. What about you? Wait, what? was there a Terrifier shirt? Yeah, I didn't. Oh, I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Terrifier two coming back to theaters November eighth. I might have to check it out on the go. big screen. We should. We should. I think there's gonna be some sort of preview or something for three. Oh God, that would be awesome. At least in an announcement, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, is, what did you end up getting at Spirit? So I got a Frankenstein doormat that I just freaking love. Uh, the artwork on it is incredible. Um, I got a Jason Voorhees lamp. It's like his hockey mask, but it lights up. Okay. It's I didn't see sitting that. by our TV. It's like mood lighting. Yeah, it was uh, it was on like an end cap with a couple of other lamps similar. But yeah, they had a Jason one. And I was like, yeah, I got to pick that up. So we grabbed that. And then I got my kryptonite. I got like eight of those stupid mystery bag keychains. <laughs> Because they always run out, you know, like halfway through the season, you can't find them. And they had the Killer Clowns ones. So I bought mm -hmm. like four of those. I got two of the new Trick or Treat ones. And then I got two of the Universal Horror. And I got I got a Michael Myers. I got um, I got the old man from uh, Trick or Treat. I got the girl coming up with the jack-o'-lantern in the in the oh. lift. Um, that one's really cool. It's like mm -hmm. big and bulky. Doesn't not going to be for me with skinny jeans. Um, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't fit it in my pocket if I tried, but it's still cool. Um, and then I got the cotton can or the popcorn cannon, not the hundred dollar one, but the itty bitty $8 oh. keychain version. Um, <laughs> so I still came away with my popcorn gun. You got your popcorn gun. <laughs> yeah. I got, um, I got the ice cream truck from killer clowns. Okay. And then I got Shorty and I got um I got Spike. Nice. It was cool. It was it was a good haul. It was fun. The store's great. Some of those animatronics are genuinely like I jumped so many times at so many of those. Uh the dagger one where the it like pops up, it's like Jesus. Oh yeah. Oh, that one freaked me out. And like later we were in the store and I heard someone scream. And then I saw a girl like running out from where that was. I'm like, yeah, that one will get you. <laughs> yeah, this won't be the only time we uh, we're going to be talking about Spirit Halloween. Uh, we'll eventually no. we'll we'll do a trip together before. Yeah. Halloween. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to be hanging out a lot, anyways. So. Yeah. All right. For what else I've been doobie doing? I only have two movies on my list. Okay. Both of them you watched. Um, yeah. The first one, let me let me let me talk to you <laughs> while we talk about talk talk to me. We yeah. are Sam, I'll let you go first because you said you have very little <laughs> to say about this movie. Then I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, so I 
as a general rule, I'm not going to slag on any kind of indie film. I think it's really cool that the Filippo brothers have such a, uh, such a massive hit on their hands and they're already pretty much, I mean, they're greenlit for a sequel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hope that I like the sequel more than I like this first one, but this first one was not for me. Um, I'll still absolutely watch whatever they do in the future. I just talk to me was not my thing. And, uh, just personal reasons, mostly, um, how it handled certain themes. I, it just didn't vibe with it. Um, that said, it is a little, there, there are fun moments, fun sequences in it. Um, especially in the setup, the first act I was at least enjoying. Um, but yeah, so check out, talk to me, um, see if you, I I'm clearly in the minority on this movie. I know Casey, you'll get into your thoughts on it too, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Just wasn't for me, guys, but check it out cuz everybody seems to have differing opinions on this one. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, after so when this movie was getting you know hyped for its release, it was getting really rave reviews and I kept hearing hereditary it follows that type of I don't know, modern modern horror trauma horror, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. Um and yeah, so I kind of went, went. I definitely went in with an with an open mind, expecting to love it. I like you, unfortunately, did not. This movie didn't work for me. I am excited to see a sequel because I see elements. I'm not going to say outright it's a unwatchable movie. No, not not at all. No, not at all. It's 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 a movie that has so many great ideas that I wish they focused on one or two of them instead of four or five of them. Because the movie, at its best for me, and I think you feel the same, is when they're playing the game, talk to me. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like this party atmosphere movie, yeah. but with them getting possessed as the drug. And I think that's the best part. And I think that would have been a perfect through line for the movie of, hey, these kids get possessed and it's like drug addiction. And that's yep. the theme we're playing with. Instead, we start playing with familial themes. We start dealing with. Uh, the S word can't say it on most of the platforms. Uh, Yeah. We start dealing with that. We start dealing with grief, loss, mental health, mental health, alcoholism, so many different things in in one movie. And then, yeah. And not all of them work. And maybe we'll just leave it at that. I think some of the performances are really good. Mm -hmm. It's tonally. The lead, especially she's, she's incredible. Yep. Um, Uh, And like you said, the party sequences, it's, it's the best it's the best yeah. scene of the movie. Uh there's yeah. two characters that are in about half of this movie and there's a point where they literally just leave the movie, <laughs> which is the smartest thing to do at that point. Yeah, right. for for <laughs> uh, like in real life, yeah, you just yeah. even make them deal with it. But in terms of telling a story that you started telling 45 minutes ago, yeah, and keeping the continuity and characters involved, it's not the best and they're super fun characters to have. In the mm-hmm. movie, and you kind of feel like the movie takes a different turn than where it was going. I feel like there's right? a point where I really disconnected hard from this movie, and it was pretty much right after they it's, left it's, it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I, like I said, take what we're saying and like form your own opinion on it, because there are people that love this movie. There are people that don't like this movie, kind of like we do. It's a, you know, it is what it is. It's thankfully, 
a movie that it's as more and more reviews come in for it, people are finding. I haven't seen very many like half stars, and I haven't seen very many five stars. It's all the stuff mm-hmm. in between there. Of you have very different different opinions on this movie, which is always yeah. which is always good. There's been a lot of like nowadays. This movie got it at first. I think it's a little less so. Getting the it's it's the next great movie. It's the mm-hmm. next all time great horror film. I think it's getting less and less of that now as more and more people are seeing it, which is, I think it's probably the most fair assessment for the movie. Even the filmmakers would probably say so. That's probably the more fair assessment of it. Right. Yeah. The other film I have on Doobie doing, uh, it's, it's, it also deals with those same themes. It deals with, (laughs) (laughs) with drug addiction and the S word and alcoholism and grief and loss and sharks and Jason Statham what holding his you <laughs> holding his breath underwater for 37 minutes. This movie is The Mag 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, the Mag 2, we talked about the first Mag. I can't remember if it was last episode, two episodes ago, whatever. We talked yeah. about it on the show. I did not like it. Hated it, yeah. actually. The Mag 2 totally redeems itself. The Mag 2 rules. It's everything you want... The first movie to be, in my opinion, I think you would even say the Meg Two is probably a better. I yes, pop, like what it what it goes out sets it sets out to do in the first place. Yeah, even yeah. as someone who's like very much a, a the Meg apologist, like I love that movie. I it's it's cheesy good time. This movie improves what what the the good things that that movie did. This movie approve improves upon in spades. Like it's just. It's a rollicking good time from start to finish. And a lot of people, the reviews I were seeing were, again, more so not great reviews beforehand. People mm-hmm. were like, oh, the first half of this movie is so boring. They don't even deal with the Megs. And I'm like, what are they talking about? What, are you, what about? are you watching? What movie did you watch? Unlike the first movie, I feel like the Megs are a constant threat while other things are going on, mm-hmm. including a, a sequence <laughs> where they have, like, they're walking through the. Uh, What's the what's the like amu- like the uh like amusement park that SpongeBob goes to? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the, I can't remember. Glove, Glove World. Glove World. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. There's a sequence where Jason Statham and his crew are walking through Glove World, and all the the hands are lighting up. Super tense, but also like super fun. The end of that sequence is incredible. What happens? But then no more than five minutes later doesn't make any sense with something that Jason Statham does. And the movie just doesn't address it really. It, it leans so far into like fast and furious style yes. territory. And it, it's just to the movie's benefit because the, the difference I found is the first movie's trying to be a Marvel movie. This one's yeah. trying to be a fast and the furious movie. I would agree with and that. Tonally, as much as people think they're probably pretty close in tone, I think tonally those are very, very different movies. Yeah. And this one just fully embraces the fast and furiousness of, of oh, this yeah. concept. I mean, Statham gets away with things in this movie that I don't even know if the Fast and Furious would let Vin Diesel get away with. No. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Vin Diesel has never speared a shark in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Not just well, a shark, a megalodon. Well, while riding a jet ski over a giant wave. <laughs> yeah. And punching other sea creatures in the face. (laughs) Well, tens of thousands of miles below the ocean. He literally kicks a a Meg in the face in this movie. I mean, there's just... 
Oh God. There's so much good Statham stuff in this. The mm -hmm. thing that I liked about the Meg too, is that there was more Meg stuff yep. and there was way more Statham. Like you're introduced to Statham's care. Like your introduction to Statham's character has nothing to do with the plot of the rest of the movie. Even really, it's just, let's put him in a cool action sequence. Yeah. And they kind of explain it with some throwaway dialogue. And then it's just on to the next thing. And it's yeah, they, the best. <laughs> they kind of change his character up in this. Yeah. Where the first one, it's, he's like directly tied to like underwater exploration. Where this one, he's like trying to stop people from like dumping oil. Dumping toxic ocean. waste and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. He's just like a badass environmental secret agent type yeah. of person. And and like Paige Kennedy comes back as like a total badass. He's like, no, after so what happened better. last time. <laughs> so much better in this movie. I found he almost him... he almost steals the third act. <laughs> yeah. I found him so grating in that first movie because he's given like Marvel quips. Whereas... And it's the stereotypical like yeah, it's weird. Like his character in that movie is weird. It's very weird. And then this one, it fits tonally with everything that's going on. Yep. Yeah. Make two rules. Make he two pulls rules. out like a giant Glock at one point. Yeah. It's just like trying to shoot sharks. It's great. I love it. There's like a weird sci-fi channel creatures at the end of the movie that they, yeah. for some reason, walk on land, but they were like in the trench. At one point, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but it's cheesy and it's awesome. Full disclosure, I've watched this movie twice in the last two weeks. Uh, and on second watch, there are two things that I'm picking up. I'm like, this movie implies that Statham and this uncle guy are going to co-parent Mei Ling or Mei Ying for like mm -hmm. the rest of their lives. And the the like final scene on the beach is like, this movie is literally about two dads trying to raise their daughter while a giant shark eats their friends. Yeah. And two, this movie is everything I wanted the Jurassic World movies to be. <laughs> like, oh, and when our, our buddy Jameson saw it and that was his first thing was like, the Meg is better than all three Jurassic World movies. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it's the movie that those movies wish they were. Yep. So, yeah, I just I had a blast with Meg, too. Um, it's put, probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Put this on the list of, of sequels better than the original. Like, yeah, just, I think years from now, people are going to look back and be like, yeah, the Meg, Two is a popcorn yeah. action sci fi horror. Romp. Yeah. And yeah. also, before we move on from Meg, Two, we should we should shout out where we got to see it, too. Oh yeah, um, maybe yeah. we can do that here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we got to we got to go to uh the Coyote Twin in Vermilion, uh their uh local theater there. And uh we were we were there to promote Supercon and our film fest, which we just dropped our entire uh film selections today. So you can check that out on the Supercon socials and on ours. We shared it. But uh yeah, check that out. But we got to go to hang out at the Vermilion Theaters. Um, our friend, uh, Chandra is a manager there. Um, we met Shannon who runs the nonprofit that owns the, uh, the coyote twin. Mm -hmm. Um, they gave us like a tour of upstairs. It was my first time ever being in a projection booth. It was so cool. Um, I was geeking out. I'm like 30 years old, but it was like, I was like a kid in a candy shop when it's, we were up it's there. It's the coolest place in the it, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh yeah um we we just got to hang out there all day and we got to watch uh meg too and like their theater's awesome guys like the presentation was tops the sound in the theater was incredible there were a few shots like there were a few surround sound moments that actually like had me like jerking away from the speakers uh, like ah oh, i loved it um it's a great theater if you're in the vermilion area anytime you should really uh you should really check it out see a movie there or even if you're like us in the sioux falls area we're gonna yeah be making trips down there quite often. yeah so yeah it's an awesome theater i mean one thing about a, a movie theater that makes it stand out is the popcorn awesome oh, pop, yeah. awesome popcorn great popcorn great yeah. people too great yeah. people maybe future guests on the show uh mm -hmm. so well yeah stay tuned for more on on that i guess also yeah. sam the other things that we're we're doobie doing i guess we can throw these in here besides yeah. going to the uh the vermilion theater to yep. promote supercon we just uh, announced our official lineup which would for for the supercon film festival all the selections for that that just dropped on their social media so go check that out um, also, we just got done finishing a shoot for another live stream. Yeah. Horror themed. We mentioned his name before, Mr. John Runyon. Uh, John, if you're still in here. Hi. Um, hi, John. But also, we, are, we, we John was very gracious enough to ask Sam and I to help shoot an intro video for his new live stream, Comics by Night. Yeah. Which is a great title. And very excited for that i think he's going to drop some major knowledge for us on like what comic books you and i should definitely be reading Heck look yeah. out for a crossover we're definitely going to be doing a crossover every great oh every yeah. great comic book has one every great movie has one too we uh we already talked to john about potentially doing a count crowley uh yeah. coming on to talk some count crowley because casey and i love that I love series that. Yeah, so we had a chance to help John finish finish his shoot, and it was like a monster dinner dinner party that we helped shoot, and it was a ton of fun. It looked gothic, it looked spooky, it looked it was incredible. It was awesome. Yep. More on that later, Sam. What yep. are you doobie doing? <laughs> I've been doobie doing so much. Um, so carrying over from the Meg, uh, the new shutter. So I've been watching a lot of horror docs this year. There've just been a lot of horror docs to lot, come yeah. out this year, uh, between Screenbox and shutter. And I've just been enjoying all of them. Uh, I love the Robert England one living with Chucky was a lot of fun. And, uh, right up there on that list is the, the new shark exploitation documentary on shutter. Um, it's got one of my favorite podcast hosts, Rebecca McKendry as one of the talking heads in it. Uh, and it's, it's just literally, it's about the history of sharks and cinema, the origins kind of where our fear of sharks comes from. Um, and it just, it, it could just be like, here are all these shark movies that are awesome. You should watch them. And I for sure added a bunch to my list, but they also go into just aquatic horror in general. They go into gators. They go into the politics about sharks and what Jaws did to the shark, like to sharks in the ecosystem and all this different stuff. And they finally gave me a word for my phobia of the ocean and everything terrifying in it. I have thalassophobia. I have a word for it now. Um, it's tremendous. I really love this documentary. Um, 
the director of 47 meters down made some disparaging comments about deep blue sea that I didn't appreciate calling him out for that. Don't do that, but whatever. Um, deep blue sea rules. You should all go see it. And then, I mean, you can watch the 47 meters down ones if you want, but deep blue sea. Um, <laughs> or deep yeah. blue three. Especially deep blue three. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, yeah. I need to watch I need to watch that. I need to watch all these docs. I haven't watched any of them yet. Dude. So. You'll love the Robert Englund doc. Know, know, it's so good. I like might honestly be my favorite movie of the year. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, I continued with my final destination binge, even though I'm watching like one movie at the rate of every two weeks. Um, I watched Come final on, destination Sam, you're supposed two, to watch seven or eight of those movies <laughs> in one weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I watched, I rewatched two. Um, once again, this was one that I hadn't watched. Like three is the only one that I've probably watched in the last five or six years. So like all of these are pretty fresh. Um, oh my God. I forgot how much of a blast this one was. It's got such a wicked sense of humor. Like it's so mean. Um, the, the highway sequence is by far the most disturbing, like opening accident of all of them because it just, the tension building to it and just what happens, it goes over the top at a certain point. Yeah. You're kind of like, okay, you're losing credibility a little bit, but like, you'll man, never, that's you'll a You'll never drive driver. behind a log truck the same again. No, I mean, you won't even drive. Be- I, I like, I'm not going to lie. I was on the, I was on the interstate the other day after watching it and I couldn't even be behind a semi truck. I was like, Nope, I'm getting around you. <laughs> you're like I've seen this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And the, the, the final scene, the like Coda, the stinger. Oh my God. I don't know if I've laughed that hard at a movie and I don't know how long, um, it cracked me up. It's so brutal. Um, <laughs> so yeah, final destination, two rules. Um, I got to see reanimator at a late night screening at the state theater. That was awesome. Um, real crowd pleaser crowd showed up, really enjoyed it. Um, there were laughs and groans in all the right places. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is just incredible. Holy crap. Jeffrey Combs is incredible. Um, and Barbara Crampton's just iconic in that movie. She's so fun. Um, yeah. Love reanimator. I, uh, I rewatched the James Wan classic dead silence. Um, I know we it's getting so a new 4k silence is a modern classic. It is. It's 100%. Like it's one of James Wan's best. I like yeah. easily, easily. Um, I watched the unrated cut because I, I'm a sucker for the Mary Shaw tongue stuff. It's gross. It's nasty. It freaks me out. Um, I'm really disappointed. The screen factory 4k does not come with the uncut, like the director's cut or whatever unrated cut uh because that's the only cut there is it's so much fun um i don't I know love, if i've ever seen i don't know if i i don't know which cut i've i've watched of those i guess i think i've i think i've seen so i think when i first watched this movie it was the theatrical cut and then when i bought the movie on blu-ray i watched the like i watched the unrated cut and that's the only thing that i have what's, watched since. what's what is what's the difference do you remember anything about Mary Shaw having like a long tongue made of other tongues? No. 
then you have only watched the theatrical cut, my Probably. friend. Probably. There are some nasty visuals in this movie. All, <laughs> um, I, all I remember is Donnie Wahlberg like shaving the entire time. <laughs> He's always shaving. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> oh god, yeah. And uh and then I uh I continued with a little bit of uh aquatic horror and I rewatched a comfort movie um while I was cartooning the other night. I watched Lake Placid. Great, great alligator movie, great yes. Betty White movie. I really love this movie. And it's the top 20 of the 90s. Because no one vetoed it, even though y'all complained about me putting it in, like, top 10. <laughs> top 10 is too much, but... It might have been, like, 11 or 12, but, like, it was pretty close to the top 10. <laughs> top 20, maybe. I can, yeah. I can see that. I just... I don't know. I love that movie. It's It's a total comfort watch. But, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. And that's... That's it for what I've been doobie doing. That's it. That's it. Cool. I was gonna say something else. I feel oh. like, but I don't. Oh wait! Oh, oh. my god! Oh. I almost oh. forgot. Uh oh. Did I talk about Maeve Fly last time? I haven't. We haven't recorded since I finished no. that book, have we? Oh my god! Okay, everybody, I need you to when you're done live streaming, go read Maeve Fly by C.J. Weed. It is one of the best, like, okay. It's one of the most, like, grotesquely beautiful things I've read recently. Um, it's very American psycho, but also, like, a love letter to L.A., but also a really messed up romance. And it, it, it just, I don't know. I haven't read anything like it. I really enjoyed it. I have not really stopped thinking about it since I read it. Um, I can't believe I almost forgot to include it in to be doing. I should have put it in show notes, but uh, yeah, no, uh, it was a recommendation from Casey's wife. Um, My wife. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. So uh, I highly recommend Maeve fly by CJ lead. I'm also, I'm reading a couple of bad hand books right now too, that yeah. are really good. So I'll be talking about those probably at the next episode. Shout out to bad hand. Really love that stuff. So yeah, okay. That is all I've That's been doing. Okay, you're done. You're, I'm you're, done. <laughs> all right, you got your book out there. Yes. Just full disclosure, I probably won't ever be talking about a book on this show. I've been reading the same book for like a year. So. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, you should read that one though, because one day you're going to do a film adaptation of it with okay. me. So <laughs> I will read it then. Only well, then. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think the re work. I think the reason you didn't bring it up or almost forgot to bring it up. It's because of the two movies we are we, we are about to talk about. We're talking about two Rob Zombie classics. Yeah, we mm. said classics. Yep. We're talking about the haunted world of El Superbisto and Lords of Salem Lords from of Mr. Salem. Rob Zombie. First things first, again, we kind of do this anytime we have a main topic. History. What's our history of of stuff? Sam, what's your what's your history with Mr. Robert Cummings. So, I mean, I think we like should probably you, just call him Rob Zombie. Like, I know Rob Zombie isn't probably going to listen to this, but I feel like he would get mad if we called him Robert <laughs> Cummings. So, it's Rob. It's Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even Bob Zombie. No, just Rob no, Zombie. No. Not even Robbie Zombie. I feel like I feel like if someone called him Bob, he'd look at him like, what? He'd like probably slap him, and he'd be yeah. justified. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, 
<laughs> Rob Zombie, I think maybe like you, I got into Rob Zombie's music before I ever saw any of his movies. Like, I had friends who were into to metal, and I had one friend who was like super into White Zombie, especially. Um, and I used to like, I mean, I used to bump their uh, Black Sunshine song all the freaking time. I love that track. It's still one of my favorites. Um, and then I got into like his solo stuff, Dragula, Living Dead Girl from like Bride of Chucky. Mm -hmm. Like those are jams. You know, he was on a couple of like video game soundtracks and stuff. And I just always liked the general horrorness of him. Um, it's creepy. His music videos were creepy. There was just something alluring about that as a as a horror fan. And then uh Saw House of a Thousand Corpses and it fully grossed me out. I was not ready for that movie when I watched it. <laughs> and I kind of swore off Rob Zombie movies for a while. And then he did his remake of Halloween, mm -hmm. which didn't really lend him any favors. Like Halloween's one of my favorite movies of all time. I very much compared it to that and it's its own thing. I have softened on both of his Halloween movies quite a bit, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, over the years, I just kept kind of coming back and refilling gaps. Like I kept hearing, oh, Devil's Rejects is great. So I watched that and I'm like, this is good. Like I like Devil's Rejects. Um, it's not necessarily like my cup of tea, um, but I've rewatched like House of a Thousand Corpses and I like it a lot more now. Um, so I'll say like, I'm a fan of Rob Zombie, the musician and filmmaker, even if not all of his stuff is necessarily like my flavor. I love what he's doing and I love how much he champions horror. And I mean, he was on Eli Roth's history of horror. I think yep. him and Eli Roth are like two directors in the horror genre that we are very lucky to have because they truly appreciate like the history of the genre and they want to bring that forward. They want to share their love of the older stuff mm -hmm. with new generations, even as they're creating new stuff, you know? And I, I just, I think that's an important balance respect where, where the genre came from, yeah. even while you're pushing it forward. So yeah, I love, I, I love Rob Zombie. Um, it's been a slow burn as far as like his movies go, but I, I, dig more of them than I, than I don't, to be honest with you. So, and especially these two that we're going to talk about. How about you? Yeah. My, my history also starts with white zombie. Mm -hmm. um, and again, tying it back into, sorry, we're tying it back into wrestling. Okay. More human than a human was uh, an ECW entrance song back in the day. And so that was like my introduction to, to white zombie. And then obviously her Dragula and Living Dead Girl because they were everywhere all the time mm -hmm. um, on the radio. And yeah, I always I always liked his music, fell in love with his music um, when I met Kayla. And so like she was a huge Rob Zombie fan. Um, I accidentally did that. And then hi Burton. <laughs> hello. How did I do that? <laughs> See Burton. Burton. I don't know. You're just clicking stuff. On <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean gotcha. to click anything. I'm, I'm my, used to letting you. Flow. I did. I'm sorry. I'm used to you having the controls and I don't know what I did there. I was just trying to scroll. 
you clicked something. That's okay. okay. We'll get to comments in a second. I'm going to finish my, yes. my finish your my, story. My I apologize. Kay- Kayla, <laughs> you should apologize. I'm going to I'm going to throw you into the haunted world of El Super Bisto so. <laughs> Kayla fell or Kayla was in love with Rob Zombie, still is. Um, the whole reason we're doing this episode, full disclosure, I was very selfish when I pitched this to you. <laughs> when this episode, I'm drops glad on, you did though. When this episode drops on Friday, I will be in Des Moines the next night on Saturday. I will be seeing Rob Zombie live with with Alice Cooper. We're like, let's do maybe we'll do Alice Cooper movies, and it's like, and eh, we're gonna do Freddy's Dead. Like, what are, what are we gonna do? Um, but no, we're like, let's do some Rob Zombie movies. And the two movies we came up with were Super Beast and, and Lords of Salem. And my my history with him, though, is I always liked him as a as a musician, especially as a, a as a horror fan himself. I mean, he his band was called White Zombie, named after the Bella Lugosi film. I mean, has a song called Dragula from the months, you know, about the monsters. Like, there's so much horror in everything that. That, that Rob does and it's kind of hard not to just fall in love with the guy because he loves the genre so much and then when I watched his filmography my introduction to him was the Halloween movies mm. and this comes from me like I loved the original I loved two I loved H2O or the four um, and then I got to his and I was like yeah these these don't work for me mm-hmm. even more so the first movie is like yeah that was fine for like a retelling of Michael Myers' origin and stuff like that. The second one pissed me off. The first time I watched, it. I was like, "This for the and for the longest time I was like, this is my least favorite movie ever. I hate it. I legitimately hate it. I think it's the worst thing ever made." And I kind of felt the way that way about his filmography. I watched House of a Thousand Corpses and I was like, "Yeah, this 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 isn't doing it for me." And then I watched The Devil's Rejects and I was like. I get it was like it was the it was the Frank moment. <laughs> yeah. And it's always sunny. Dude, Devil's Rejects is genuinely like it's good. It, it's everything he's setting out he he set out to do beforehand. Yeah. And a lot since then. In that he he captures everything like that 70s aesthetic he's going for, that kind of backwoods hillbilly aesthetic, that grindhouse aesthetic. It's all present in Devil's Rejects and it's 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 the best version of that Rob Zombie. I think we're talking about the best version of Rob Zombie a little later on with Lords of Salem. But if you watch that movie, you wouldn't recognize that as a Rob Zombie movie, though, either. Yes and no. We'll get into that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, oh, I mean, his wife's in it. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, but yeah. And then I recently gone. I, I went back to his Halloween movies. Uh, I, the first one has kind of stayed the same all these years of like, I like it. I actually like the origin stuff. I don't like when it just becomes John Carpenter's Halloween within the last 30 minutes. And it's like, okay, that feels like a studio mandate. I give that movie a 2.5 whenever I watch it because I love half of it. And it's that yeah, when half. he's not doing having yeah. to do Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Halloween two, like I said, was my least favorite movie of all time. I'm not going to say too much about it here. Go check out an shameless plug. For an episode I did with uh, our buddy Andy Heller over on Fat Dude Digs Flicks, um, I did an episode on Rob Zombie's Halloween one and two. I gushed about mm-hmm. Halloween two and how I did a complete one eighty on that movie. I think it rules. I think it's one of the best Halloween movies. I think it's one of Rob's best movies for sure. 
And I feel like watching something like Lords of Salem, which we'll get to, kind of, I don't know, sheds new light on stuff like Halloween 2 and what he's going for there. But the first movie I want to talk about, we'll, we'll save Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem's the headliner here. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. The first movie we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about his only animated film, perhaps the most Rob Zombie movie to ever Rob Zombie. <laughs> We'll talk about the haunted world of El Super Beast in a minute. Let's catch up on some comments here. Uh, yeah. Burton's checking in. Um, he he's dropping in some knowledge on Bill Mosley and Tyler Maine, which he uh, had a chance to meet both of them. Bill Mosley, awesome. I really want to be meet Bill Mosley. He seems like the the coolest dude. Chop Top is my favorite Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre character, and yeah. Tyler Tyler seems awesome. He was also a uh, professional wrestler back in the day. Yeah. Yep. Like his Michael Myers is so good, dude. Like That's the scariest Michael. Yeah, like he's genuinely just—he's very unnerving behind yeah. that mask. Um, yeah, I—I uh, I haven't watched Halloween two in a few years, but I do like that one. Mm-hmm. I've always, even if it's not completely like my thing, I've always so much respected that, like zombie just went for it. The director's cut anyways. I don't know if I've ever seen the theatrical cut. Hey, Boris. Yeah. I think um, I've, I've seen both. There's not. Well, the direct, the director's cut is, is much better, but yeah, there's like two big scenes that, that really stand out for making it different and makes it, makes it that much better. Uh, first movie. Let's get into it though. Let's jump into his animated. Let's jump into the animated world of Rob Zombie, the haunted world of El Super Bisto. Yeah. So this is a I believe this was originally released on one uh, it was on TV. I think it was a T technically a TV movie. What did, was it on Stars? I think is what it was. Had to be. It couldn't have been anything Stars. besides like a Stars or maybe like an HBO. Yeah. Because there's no way you even edit this movie for t- for like no, you network can't. television. <laughs> no, you, you, you can't. You can't. I, think I mean, it was on t- I don't. I don't know if a, a single female character wears a shirt in the third act. <laughs> no, or the entire movie. Yeah, pretty much the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've seen this movie probably three or four times. I the first time I watched it, I was like, "This is this is insane. I love it. This is so weird and kooky. It doesn't make a lot of sense." And rewatching it this time, I was also like, "What's the plot of El Supervisor?" And I couldn't even remember. And I had seen I've seen this movie three or four times. I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's not, yeah, really a a plot." Especially with the the main character El Supervisor, there's really not a plot with. Him. He doesn't even have an arc. Like, no. there's no character development. He's just he is he is a asshole on page one <laughs> and he yeah. is an asshole on page whatever the, like it's hilarious it, it's really just like the antithesis of what you would expect from any other movie but that just kind of makes me love it more yeah so it's almost ba- like yeah i was gonna say the basic plot is there's the character of el super bisto he's the main character of this movie um, he is voiced by uh, comedian Tom, Tom Papa. I haven't watched any of his stand-up work. Rob also directed one of his stand-up specials, which is technically the only Rob Zombie movie I've never never seen. Um, <laughs> maybe you have to yeah. rectify that at, at, at some point. Um, but El Superbisto has a sister, the best character in this movie, Susie X, played by 
Sherry Moon Zombie. This is more so a Sherry Moon Zombie double feature that we're talking about because I think it's a her best bit, yeah. in both of these. She's really good. Like, she could make a killing as a voice actress. Yeah. Her her voice performance in this movie is incredible. She's the Harley Quinn I think we should have gotten at some point. I would love to see her. Like, yeah. even live action. I would yeah. watch a Sherry Moon live action Harley Quinn. And I think Margot Robbie does a good job. I like Haley Cuoco in the animated series. But, like, Sherry Moon does Unhinged so well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, other other characters that we got in here, we got Velvet Von. So so Susie X is a like special agent who like fights Nazi zombies slash Nazi werewolves. They're yeah. like werewolves in the beginning, then they turn into zombies. Like yep. The next scene, um, <laughs> you have Rosario uh, Rosario Dawson, who's Velvet Von Black, a stripper that El Superbisto got some of the filthiest lines in the whole movie. Oh, I yeah. love it. It the scene where like. So I just like recently put like just today when I got home as I was like doing my stuff, I put this on in the background again because it's been about a week and a half since I watched it. And since it doesn't have a plot, I was like, I need a refresher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the scene where she is like just like using her boobs to light a cigarette <laughs> is so funny the way so it's funny. animated. Like I don't I don't even know. Like this movie is the most juvenile thing. Oh, like, yeah. It it literally it plays like a twelve year old boy wrote and directed this. Mm -hmm. A twelve year old boy with ADHD that is hopped up on pop rocks and coke, mm -hmm. and the drink. Um, don't don't ban us, Facebook. Um, <laughs> Coca Cola. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I just I don't know. I love this. Uh, the animation style is very like. I, I said this to Maria. I was like, it feels like this is a movie where Rob Zombie was like, this is animation so we can do anything, but it still has the budget of a normal Rob Zombie movie. So they do do everything in it. But like the animation is very like lower budget, like almost Ralph Bakshi type of. Yeah. Which is you another know? inspiration 100 yeah. and an in, in, in inspiration for the movie ralph bakshi and fritz yeah. the cat and uh i mean even rob himself there's so many rob zombie things i'm gonna get to some of the other characters that we haven't mentioned yet just to yep. finish out our our cast here um another character i love murray the <laughs> the the robot who <laughs> is just a very very horny robot <laughs> who is also a part of rob's stage show so yeah. again connecting to the the Rob Zombie verse, I guess. Doctor Satan, who is our main antagonist of the movie, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, who's incredible in this movie. I'm. I wish Paul Giamatti would appear in a live action Rob Zombie movie because I feel like he would fit perfect in that. I want him. I want him to show up in a Rob Zombie movie with the hammy Russian accent that he had in the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, and it would fit. It would fit <laughs> yeah, better. It in, would in, in a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. Um, and he plays Dr. Satan, which is a reference to House of a Thousand Corpses character, Dr. Satan. Um, and then you have so many cameos that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, too. But I, I tried to take notes because I was like, I need to take notes for this movie because <laughs> I don't I don't remember the plot. And the only, and I didn't take too many, but the movie opens with a Frankenstein homage in the beginning. Yeah. Animated form. And to go off your animation 
thing again. It feels like this movie probably had the budget of an episode of TV animation because that's what it looks like. So I looked it up and it actually did have a budget of 10 million. Interesting. It didn't yeah. start that way though. He said that he said that um when he started it was just going to be like a half a million dollar direct to video movie. But then as it went on, I think he got a little clout with Halloween because that's why like they started production on this in 2006. It didn't come out until 2009 after Halloween 2 or maybe before Halloween 2 had come out. But essentially he finished this in between his two Halloween movies, but it had to be put on hold because of his commitment to direct Halloween in 07. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I just found that really interesting that like, because it was actually like put on hold for so long, it feels like he actually got more money to finish it. Kind of the history early in Rob's career, he was very notorious, especially house of a thousand corpses, his first movie of they kind of just stopped looking at what he was spending money on. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think Corpse is like doubled its budget because no one was paying attention to what he was doing. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So, one surprised me if the same thing happened here. Yeah. They probably had to be like, no, you got to stop. And that's probably why it's only an hour and (laughs) like an hour and 15 minutes. 15 minutes minutes or something like that. But it's a perfect length for what this movie is. If it's longer than that, it's like, no, it doesn't work. Honestly, if this was a TV show and it was like, six episodes or something like that each are like 20 minutes long i think that would be perfect like if he ever wants to explore the world of el super bisto again i think that's the route he should go because it feels like a tv show feels almost like an episode of of like it feels like the animation style is like an episode of the clerks animated series if you've ever watched that oh i love the animated clerk series yeah i i think too like he uh he has this uh Oh my god, never mind. I totally lost the plot on that one. Kind of like Rob in this movie. This movie yeah. <laughs> starts with El Superbisto as he's like an actor, director, casting agent. Yeah. For slash, a porn, I mean, yeah, normal for, movie. <laughs> for a normal movie, very clearly not. As, yeah. <laughs> as soon as he, they start showing what he's shooting. Uh, again, a cat is directing it, though. With a great, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Cassandra Peterson has a uh, has a cameo in this movie as the brunette that's in the uh, the movie with him. The movie, okay. Is yeah. she the werewolf or the or Medusa? Because they just she's Medusa. Okay. Yeah, she's Medusa. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Like I didn't notice it until so it was today when I put it on in the background. I was like, I I didn't see that. I wasn't looking at the screen. I was doing something else, but I heard the voice and I'm like, that's Elvira. And I looked up and I'm like, yeah, that's 100% like Cassandra Peterson voicing this. I I just thought that was cool. We'll talk about other cameos in Lords of Salem too. I was going to say, there's a very blink and you miss a cameo in Lords of Salem. Yep. (laughs) This movie has a ton of references to other, other horror movies, to other characters in Rob Zombie's universe. I mean, he runs, El Superbiso runs over Michael Myers. His, like, Rob Zombie's Michael Myers, right. specifically. It That scene feels very much like Rob being frustrated with the yeah. production on Halloween 2 and just being like, we're killing Michael I'm gonna Myers. I'm going to kill Michael in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, 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 the, in the stripper bar that 
El Super Bisto. There's so many, and I wrote a bunch down. Leatherface shows up. Jack Torrance <laughs> is at the bar with with El Super Bisto. Nosferatu's there. Jason, a xenomorph. Edward Scissorhands. The entire House of a Thousand Corpses. Devil's yeah. Rejects family. Yep. Is there? Uh, um, Captain Spaulding. Yeah. Gets Captain a, gets Spaulding. a line. The the movie ends with Bill Mos like with uh, Bill Mosley like giving the final line. I'm trying to think of the character's name. Uh, rejects. Mm. Yeah, Our horror card's going to get revoked for this. I'm going to think of it. Probably. We're going to get to it. I haven't watched any of. I haven't watched the. Well, I haven't watched Three from Hell at all yet. But I haven't watched the first two in the Firefly trilogy in a while. So after this episode, that we might be talking about Rob Zombie Maybe for the we next need to couple do a of Firefly months. Firefly trilogy episode. Who knows? That would be cool. That would be cool. Otis. I would do that's, that. that's his name. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, but my favorite character and kind of the big thing I want to talk about is Susie X. Mm-hmm. Because I would watch an entire movie on her. Super Beast is kind of a. I like this movie a lot. Here. He's a nothing character. He's a non-character at all. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny, like at times, but there's nothing. And honestly, in terms of the plot, like he doesn't really push anything forward. Like he tries to go save Velvet Von Black. Just because he wants to. Yeah. And then (laughs) Susie X has to go save him. Yeah. (laughs) Who's the best. And she's the best character. One of my favorite things in this movie is her, her relationship with Murray, the robot. Yeah, and how he like just transforms into anything, any any innuendo you want to turn him into. That's what yep. he gets t- turned into in this movie. <laughs> but the the thing that gets me every time I watch this movie is the song that plays, multiple songs with the zombie army that's chasing her. That's just explaining what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not an actual like evil song or anything. It's just explaining that the z- Nazi zombies are driving motorcycles through the city, and they're yeah. like, and now the song's ending. And it, the song just cuts off. And it's so funny, too, because, like, most of it isn't, like, the typical Rob Zombie type of music. A lot of it kind of feels like surf rock or, like, I don't know. It feels like the music Rob Zombie probably listens to the most. Yeah. Yeah. Rob is Doesn't obviously it? very he- heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. But he is notorious talking about, like, the type of music he is. And it is, like, sur- surfer rock. Yeah, in a way, or punk rock, like he's a huge Ramones fan too. Yeah, and it, it feels very much more in like that vein than it does what he puts out himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was different because this was a first time watch for me. I hadn't seen this mm-hmm. one before. I just had a blast with it. But it was it was both exactly what I expected and nothing like what I expected at all. If that okay. makes any sense. Yeah. Like it very much like I'm like, yeah, this makes sense that this is a Rob Zombie animated movie, but also like it was. Were you expecting so many topless animated women in this movie? I was not. (laughs) I I will say the, the boob punching, like the velvet von black yeah. like using her boobs as like weapons mm-hmm. was a, like a really funny visual gag i feel like i seriously feel like a 12 year old boy saying anything in this movie is funny <laughs> because like i don't know your mileage might vary but i just i don't know i was giggling the whole way through this thing I, I, the the visual gags got me the the 
this I, I don't even know if I can bring up the song, but the song during the cat fight that talks about oh you know, you can do this yeah. while watching cartoons. Yeah. That like I could not stop la- I had to pause the movie, dude. <laughs> like I could not stop laughing at that song. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. Um I just yeah, I don't know. This movie this movie isn't good. Um, no, no, like it's not it, going to be like, hey, we're going to nominate El Supervisto at the Academy Awards for best animated. <laughs> no, film. you know, no, 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 nothing. It's not like it's not South Park, bigger, longer, uncut, where it's juvenile and crass, but also like, but has, has something to say. Has type something to say. This movie kind of does in the beginning with El Supervisto being just awful, but they never like. He never gets a comeuppance for it, so it doesn't feel like they're commenting on it. (laughs) No, and it's like he's supposed to go save the Velvet Von Black, the the stripper who gets gets kidnapped, and then she just doesn't like he doesn't save her. No, he doesn't save her. There's no consequence. (laughs) Yeah, she technically dies. Yeah, but then they bring her back for the mid credits or something. She ends up with with Otto the gorilla. The gorilla. Yeah. Oh, this movie's There's some very weird, weird humor in this that doesn't necessarily work. No, not all. Especially with the the gorilla, I think a lot of the stuff with the gorilla doesn't work. There's in, there's two sequences where he's taking the elevator in Doctor Satan's lair, and those scenes just completely fall flat. <laughs> yeah, but they're almost like they go on too long, where they start to become funny of like. <laughs> More so for me because I imagine Rob Zombie watching those and him laughing. And I'm yeah. like, is this what <laughs> like, he finds funny? I just honestly I want to watch this movie with Rob. With him, sometime. yeah. Like and just see like how he reacts to it. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, if this guy thinks like this is the funniest thing ever, I that really want to watch it with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like just the idea of like fifty-eight-year-old Rob Zombie <laughs> giggling like a twelve-year-old boy at this movie is just the funniest yeah. thing to me. I love it. This movie, though, I think the biggest compliment I give it is that it is a love letter to everything that Rob is trying to homage. Oh like, yeah, it's a, it's a love letter to horror in general. It's a love letter to animation. Heck, I would say it's, they blatantly it, rip off Carrie at one point, and there's, there's an entire song about, song it. about ripping off <laughs> Carrie, which is the best way to do it. Yep, I would say this is even a, like a love story to his own work. Because yeah, almost everything in this is a reference to to past Rob. things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he he has a song called Super Beast. Yep. Well, didn't, wasn't this based on like a comic book? That it was he based did too? on a comic book that yeah. he did. I haven't read it. I, may, hey, I haven't either. John Runyon, get us on to talk about the El, the haunted world of El Super Beast <laughs> comic book. Susie X is very much like we get to see that same type of character in his Grindhouse trailer for the werewolf women of the SS. Yeah, get like Nazi werewolves and that. There's Nazi werewolves and in, in this we get. References, like I said, to his Halloween, to House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. I think he could come back to this world. Oh yeah, easily nowadays, and maybe he'll, maybe he will. I think there's even like, I don't know. In a way, like I feel like this is the route the monsters would have gone if he had gone in like R-rated Rob Zombie territory. Yeah. Instead, he does a love letter to the TV show and keeps it PG 
I'm glad that he kept that one PG though. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's what I was going to say about this in the plot is this feels like plot wise, it feels very similar to me oh, as yeah. the monsters did where it's like, he doesn't dwell on anything for very long. It's very just like episodic. Like here's, it's almost just a series of scenes that are just like showcasing like a different gag or a character moment or a relationship mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't like that about the monsters and a lot of people probably don't like that about this movie, but I, there's something kind of, maybe, maybe it's my ADHD, but there's something kind of fun about that. Like, I'm just like, Oh, we're just on to the next thing. And if you just go along for the ride, it's, I don't know. I have a lot of fun with it. He so. did with, with this and the month, like El Super Bisto and the monsters, there's a thing about them that just feels like I can put these on in the background. Yes. While I'm doing laundry, washing dishes, whatever. And I'm not going to miss the plot, but I'm just no. going to kind of hang out with these characters and stuff. And yeah. not a lot of movies are like that. Agreed. And I think that's a good thing to have in your variety of just kind of these hang out. You put them on in the background type of movies. Absolutely. 100% I, what Super Beast is. Yeah. I really like this movie. Um, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite Rob Zombie ones. But every every time I'm watching, like, I've noticed that in the past couple of years, every time I've revisited a Rob Zombie movie, I've been like, oh, that's actually, that's one of my favorites of Rob Zombies. I'm mm -hmm. like, you can only say that so many times before you're like, maybe Rob Zombie is one of my favorite filmmakers. I don't know. I have to rewatch the, I have to, I have to rewatch the first two in the Firefly trilogy and three from hell. Uh -huh. But like, I don't know if I would say that, but he's no? more like, I'm going to watch anything he does. Yes. He's a little bit like a Shyamalan where it's like, not everything always yeah. works, but like everything that he does is always at least like, it's true to him and it's mm -hmm. interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Speaking of interesting, let's move on to his next movie. Perhaps the most interesting movie of his filmography. Perhaps the the biggest outlier. Even more than a weirdo, hard R animated comedy. It's his movie, Lords of Salem, from 2012. Him teaming up with Blumhouse for this movie. Yeah. A strange combination that... I mean, this is relatively in the early stages of Blumhouse becoming a name. Rob is coming off his Halloween movies. It feels so, like a again a combination that sh probably shouldn't work or is a strange combination. But looking at it now, it's like no, Jason Blum gave Rob everything he needed in this movie, and vice versa. What it what's 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 your thoughts on on Lords of Salem so, before we jump into it? So I going off of what you said, I. I've maybe have been doing a little research today on Lords of Salem um, just because spoiler alert, I really loved this movie on a rewatch. Um, like really loved this movie on a rewatch. And uh, so it's interesting. Blum came to him and essentially told him like, yeah, have all the creative control you want. Cause Rob was burned out on the Halloween movies mm -hmm. and essentially Jason Blum was like, you know, we do these low budget things. I'll give you, you know, like 1.5 million. All, all, all we ask is that it's something supernatural. And Rob had been, had this idea in his back pocket and he had about half a script written and he decided let's, let's do this. 
um apparently one of like i can't remember the actor's name it's like a horror icon passed halfway through he was originally the reverend hawthorne and they didn't have the money to like reshoot which is why so many of the flashbacks are actually cut back apparently he had a lot more stuff back in the salem witch trials um just like interesting stuff like that where it's like a lot of people like (laughs) a lot of people that were on the set were like yeah it was kind of a hellish shoot like it wasn't a very fun production just because we were on the wire it was cold there were a lot you know in in the salem ones there's a lot of like nudity and apparently Mm -hmm. on those on those um shoot nights it was very cold i'm going off on a tangent but this is all to say yeah i watched lords of salem like a few years after it came out and i liked it i was like that's good you know like that's probably one of my favorite rob zombie movies and then i just didn't watch it again for like years and years and when we decided to do this i'm like yeah I'm like well due for a rewatch of that. I really liked it. This movie hit on so many different levels for me this time. Like it hit every note. I genuinely think this is a modern masterpiece. And I think that if anyone other than Rob Zombie had directed this, we would be, we would have hailed this as a masterpiece Mm -hmm. right out of the gate this would be considered a, a five-star classic akin to like, I'm just going to say it. This is better than Robert Eggers, the witch, a movie that I love immensely, mm-hmm. it but it's, I mean, it's it is. better. Yeah. It's better. I, Oh, I love this movie. So that's, that's my, that's my quick thoughts. <laughs> so I watched this movie probably just, I don't know, a year or two after it came out. Because I was thinking like, oh, it's been a couple years since I've watched it. No, I was like, I was living at my parents' house when I watched it. Because I vividly remember they had a theater room. Mm. And I was, this is one of the movies I watched in there by by myself. Because I just basically lived in that theater room when I was living at home. Um, And I watched this and this was during the phase of like, Rob Zombie doesn't make very good movies. Right. But I had heard good things about Lords of Salem. Put it on. Immediately I was like, no, this is the best movie even more than devil's rejects yeah because it is so different it is so atmospheric it is kind of the definition of a vibe movie it is you're either vibing with it or you're not and if you're on its wavelength you're on it through the entire runtime what really sets this movie apart in terms of this movie compared to the rest of like rob's filmography I think for me is that there's there's all the things that you would expect in a rob zombie movie sherry is the lead you have his his other his other faces that always pop up in Rob Zombie movies. You have Jeff Daniel Phillips, Ken Foray, uh, D. Wallace. I would say you can also throw into the that group of oh yeah zombie zombie actors and stuff. And what really stands out is like this movie doesn't feel like Rob is trying to make a Rob Zombie movie. Yes, it feels like he's trying to make a hammer movie almost he's like making a hammer salem witch trial movie yeah because there's there's a ton of long takes there's a ton of i think another thing too of like i'm kind of going off on a tangent but it's all gonna come it's all gonna come together i hope (laughs) this movie is genuinely scary 
Yes. I think it's an actual scary movie and the only actual scary movie in his entire filmography. Yeah. There are so many scenes where the camera just stays on stuff. The characters never address it. It's not a big, loud jump scare. It's just they're there. It's unnerving. It's unnerving. And there's scenes like in this hallway of Sherry Moon's character that you just see things like there's stuff down the hallway. You see a light swinging. She never addresses it. It's just there. It's happening. There's a scene later where she turns on the light in the kitchen to find the dog. And there's just some creepy person just there in the kitchen. standing like perched on top, on top of her fridge. Per- yeah, perched on the on her, her whatever countertop. Yeah, the counter or whatever. She doesn't yeah. address it. She goes through an entire scene of feeding the dog, talking to the dog, and then leaving. And that person's just there the entire time. Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys get to deal with the audience. Well, the character doesn't realize it's there. It's genuinely terrifying stuff, especially the first half of this movie. Very scary. And then the second half of this movie is just a surrealistic movie of beautiful images and great performances and stuff you would see. And I messaged you on this after immediately after finishing it of if this movie had a 24 in front of it, it would be hailed as a modern masterpiece. Yep. It it would like, there's no, there's no denying that. I, I just, you watch this movie and everything that it is doing, it's doing better than most of the like grief, trauma, addiction, horror that has come out in the last five years. The like, the addiction metaphor is a little on the nose, right? Like it's not, it's not groundbreaking or anything like that, but show me a horror movie in the last five years that actually has had something groundbreaking to say about addiction or about grief or about generational trauma, like something genuinely new that hasn't been commented on before. This movie doesn't bother even trying to do that. It just does what it does exceptionally well. The final scene between Sherry Moon and Jeff Daniel Phillips, when like he knows that she is back on like she's back on drugs and bad things are coming, is just heartbreaking. Like the look on his face as he leaves, as she like essentially ushers him out. I just, I like, I broke down. I just genuinely like this movie hit so many emotions. Um, and the, the final reel is just like, Hey, you're coming off of like a nightmarish, like satanic acid trip, but like, it's, it's a tragic ending mm-hmm. and it's very like, I don't know. It just, it connected with me on a, on a very deep emotional level. Um, And that's something that I can't really say for a lot of other zombie movies. Halloween 2, maybe. Like, Halloween 2, I feel like, is a very emotional movie. But that's not how I would necessarily describe a lot of Rob Zombie movies. Um, This one is is very special in that. And I just... People, I think people write this one off because of who directed it. And that's that's a damn shame. Because, A... Rob Zombie's a better filmmaker than most people give him credit for. And B... Rob Zombie's a good filmmaker and a bad writer. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> I, mean, he, I would agree he, with that, yeah. He is, and... Yep. I mean, that's just kind of the unfortunate downfall of most of his filmography. Mm-hmm. 
But I would also say in terms of some of, especially like his editing choices in his movies, get a little bit too chaotic. Whereas Lords of Salem has none of that. And the one time where I'm like, okay, that's a Rob Zombie thing is like, there's a scene later on. It's like a dream sequence. And they're like ripping the guts out of Sherry. And I'm like, okay, that's where Rob Zombie comes in. Where the rest of the movies, like, like I said, very long takes wide, wide shots stuff you do not see in other Rob Zombie movies. Mm -hmm. So like the basic plot of this movie also is again, something you can very much tell that uh, it's close to Rob. I mean, it deals with the Salem witch trials. Uh, It's it's revealed that Sherry Moon Zombie plays a radio DJ, Heidi, who is related to the Reverend who, you know, brought all these, women to trial back in the Salem witch days. Um, and it, it turns out that's like, that's her connection to the trials. And so many people that still live in Salem are still connected to, to that. So she's a, she's a radio DJ alongside Jeff Daniel Phillips. Who's, I think he's super underrated. He's great. He's in this so movie. Good. I thought he was great as Herman Munster. His Herman Munster is hilarious, dude. Like he's so good in that. Movie. He's he's and I think Rob does a great job of getting great performances out of people. This movie is definitely one of those. Ken Foray is just a nice face to see pop up. I don't think there's a bad Ken Foray performance. I think he's yeah. just a ton of fun in this movie. And D. Wallace gets to play against type. Yeah, like and she just nails it. <laughs> I don't know if she gets to play against type. I think she leans into her type and then gets to then gets to tw- like subvert that yeah 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 she is like at first yeah 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 so there's three there's three witches of of, of salem in here again played by some horror uh, icons meg foster gets to play the main one oh, uh, main she's one she's so incredible uh patricia quinn from rocky horror picture show mm-hmm. is is great as like the, the the psychic medium, the palm reader, and then you have D. Wallace who is playing. She's she's playing mom D. Wallace. Mm-hmm. But if mom was like gonna put po- poison in your in your cookies and feed it to your friends, yeah, like that's what D. Wallace is playing in this movie, and she's yep. so great in this. Yep, and there's a blink and you miss it. Barbara Crampton cameo. Yeah. Um, that I completely I forgot she was in this movie. Apparently, she was one of the things that just due to like time restraints and things, they just had to cut because they just weren't able to get as much with her. There were there were a couple that I saw. I can't remember who the other ones were, but there were some like other frequent Rob Zombie collaborators that are just like either not in this movie or their screen time was drastically mm-hmm. cut down. So I, I have the IMDB pulled up and I see Michael Berryman and Sid Haig. And I'm like, where was Michael Berryman and Sid Haig? And yep. I think those were, I Sid Haig was definitely one of them. Michael Berryman might've been the other. So yeah. I was like, where are they in this movie? I don't know. Maybe yeah. I need to get a closer rewatch. I don't know. But oh, the, I'll be rewatching this movie very soon. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, this movie again, but with another. OK, the other thing I was going to talk about with Rob Zombie is music mm-hmm. in his movies. And this movie is all about the music. The, the catalyst for everything happening is a track from the band Lords. Lords of Salem that they play on this radio show. And it turns out like this tune was played by the witches of the Salem witch trial. And it's in the book, 
the, the diary of Nathaniel Hawthorne, the reverend uh, of the time. And I love the mystery aspect of the, the, the author, Bruce Davison, of him trying to piece together everything and how it's all connected. Yeah. Like Rob doesn't always do a great job of B plots and not too many of his movies even have a B plot in them to begin with. Yep. This movie has, has a B plot and it's a great one at that. Of it it is. connects us as the audience to everything Sherry is experiencing, but like piecing it all together to have the story make sense. I think it's, I mean, I think this is his best written work for, for Rob. I think it's his best directing his best cinema. It's, it's his best movie period. And there's so many great things in the Sam. What's what else is, is like this past week. All I've been hearing is, Oh my God, Lords of Salem, Lords of Salem, Lords of Salem. So here's a part of what I think I maybe why it took me so long to revisit. This was, I was still for lack of a better term, like I was still, dabbling in religion the first time I watched this movie and the third act is just full of very sacrilegious stuff. Like it's just, that's the third act of this. And I think that kind of put me off a little bit. Like, I think it freaked me out a little too much. Um, Now that stuff, I'm not nearly as like sensitive to that, I guess. Um, But like, it doesn't lose any of its power, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I do want to, there's, there's a scene is very disturbing and like, I don't know how to talk about this on a live broadcast on YouTube, but it's the priest scene, the dream sequence in the church yeah, with the, with the assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, it's a very uncomfortable scene, but like something about that has just stuck with me since like, I'm just like. I'm not even sure what it's attempting to say or if it's saying anything. There's just something very provocative about that and the lines that it crosses. And I don't know. There's just, there's something about this movie that like Sherry Moon gets crapped on like the entire movie. Like this is like the worst week of her character's life yeah. until the very end, depending on how you read the ending. I don't know. Um, but like there's just a strong female presence throughout this entire movie. Uh, like this might be Rob Zombie's most feminist movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much female empowerment in this, even if the female power is used mostly for evil, it's still very much about powerful women doing like powerful things. Mm-hmm. There's there's a scene where essentially where Bruce Davison's character exits the picture. Um this just it's hilarious but also like terrifying at the same time. Also very restrained. Yes, for a Rob Zombie and, movie. Yeah. yeah. Of I, like it just uses the performances of the actresses in the scene uh, D Wallace yeah. especially yeah. to to portray what's what's happening. And mm-hmm. you know it's not the, like the, really the only like gross the shot with the cloth over it. It's so part, effective. The only gross, gross, grotesque part of this movie is a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Like none of the real life stuff is really that gross or grotesque. 
I think he's very restrained in this movie, and he's very in control of what he's doing in Lords of Salem. Yes. I think, too, when he does go for, like, the shocking imagery, he like you said, he uses it sparingly throughout, so when it hits in the third act, like, it hits harder, mm -hmm. you know? In most Rob Zombie movies, it's like an assault on the senses for, you know, 90 minutes or so. This one, like, you sit, you simmer with it, you, like, you soak in the vibe, and then all of a sudden, the last, like, 15 minutes, you're like, oh there's a bunch of priests pleasuring themselves to like burning. Like it's a weird, like just nightmarish yeah. third act that I don't even know how he got away with an R rating for some of this, to be honest with you. There's, there's stuff that I like, I looked up at like immediately after watching this, I'm like, this is like an unrated or an NC 17. Right. And I was shocked that he got away with an R in this movie. Like, maybe it's because it was so small that the MPAA was like, well, maybe, like, no one's going to see this. But, like, this movie pushes, like, boundaries in a way that I don't see much in, I mean, even in indie horror these days. This it's is a, a very, like, transgressive, weird movie. Yeah, it's a movie that I think needs to be talked about more in great religious horrors. Yes. Like, it's not ever mentioned in great religious horrors, like The and Omen really or The Exorcist should. or something like that. I'm not saying it's as good as The Omen or The Exorcist, but I'm saying I in am. terms of modern horror especially, like, it needs to be talked about in that same vein. Yep. I mean, yeah, easily top ten, top five, maybe, best religious horror and again the the images he shows though i think the biggest standout is that it's not like it's not like just gross for gross sake yeah you know like There's... even like super bisto has a bunch of like blood and grotesque imagery and stuff like that this one's more of like you especially in that third act you could take any frame of it and have a painting of it or a portrait, you know, you know, a portrait or a picture. Like it's it all it's shot gorgeously. Yeah. It's all oh. it's all very I think provocative is a great word to use for this at the especially in that third act. Even the first act of the movie, like setting it in the real world, I think something we haven't talked about yet is shooting in Salem. Mm -hmm. Because they shot all in you know, it's shot in Salem. They use every bit of Salem as 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 they can, there's for people like us who love like Hocus Pocus that also shot in Salem. There are yeah. sa the same locations in this yeah. movie as as there are in that movie. It, it's isn't it kind of funny because like there were multiple points where I watched this where I'm like Rob Zombie made an adult Hocus Pocus. Yeah, like that's what it is. Like mm -hmm. it's it follows kind of the same plot beats. But they're two, I mean, obviously, they're two very tonally yeah. different movies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the two best, I mean, talking about Hocus Pocus and this, they're the two best versions of movies set in Salem. Yeah, I would agree with that. Agree More with movies that. do need to be set there, but yes. I think this is the, the best version of that. And that final, second to last shot of the movie of Sherry, like just glowing with all these like bodies below her. Incredible. It's an incredible, it's the best looking shot of any Rob Zombie movie. 
Like I was just in. I don't love that. that Yeah, I don't love that they cut to like a flashback with the dog right after. I wish they ended with the shot. See, okay, or at least cut back to the shot. Yeah, of 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 Sherry glowing. I I think that's the ending shot you leave people on, not the like flashback. I think you can still fit that in there for the message you're trying to say, but I think you end with the money shot. I disagree. And that's only because I was in awe of that shot. I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I kind of figured it was going to be a cut to black credits roll. And then they hit me with the dog footage. And granted, I grew up on those Sarah McLaughlin commercials, you know, and like the pooch. Mm-hmm. It broke me, dude. I start like, I'm not going to lie. I cried at the end of this movie. I cried when it was like the happy imagery of her with her dog before all of this shit. Ha- like, it was just like, just waterworks. And I think it's because for the last like, you know, hour and 30 minutes, he's just made me care. Like him and Sherry Moon. Like his direction, Sherry Moon's performance has made me care so much about this character that like it felt like an obituary at the end, essentially. And I was just like, I don't know. I just I lost it. I freaking lost it, dude. I I, I love that. I like that it's included. I just wish he ended on the shot. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I also love more impactful cut to black that way. Yeah. There's also like the I love the pictures though of, of the credits over the credits. Like the pictures of Salem, like the mm-hmm. still photographs while you're listening to like the broadcast that's like, you know, the um the, there was like the mass S word at the uh <laughs> at the concert hall last night and Heidi LaRock is, you know, nowhere to be found. And there's just something eerie about voiceover or still photographs and also those still photographs of Salem are just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. This feels like, this feels like both a love letter to Sherry moon and a love letter to Salem because yeah. like, I don't know. I just, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's immediately was my first thought after watching it of like, this is Rob's love letter to his wife. Yeah. It feels more like than it, more it? than anything because I like I get that there's the addiction stuff in it and mm-hmm. doing a crazy Salem witch trial supernatural story, but more so like what it left me with was that this is a a love letter to Sherry. Yeah, is that it th- feels he made like this he made this for her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's awesome, and I kind of feel that way with like the monsters too. It's a little more on the nose with Munsters because that movie is literally about someone falling in love with Sherry Moon. Yeah. But like this one did it at first the and more feels like a Rob Zombie movie for Rob Zombie. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. This is like, I don't know. This this movie just hit me so differently this time around. And I, I've not been able to stop thinking about it since I watched it. Um, and I think a big part of that is just. He did. He he made this movie for Sherry Moon. Mm-hmm. And then she came in and just crushed it. Just like, I'm going to say it. 
she could have if she would have been nominated for an Oscar for this, which let's be honest, that's never gonna happen because it's horror and it's Rob Zombie. But like if she'd been nominated for an Oscar for this, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I'm not even kidding. I I genuinely like this this movie just it got me. It got me so good, dude. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's a movie that needs to be talked about more. I'm glad we're talking about it. It's a movie that should go down as one of the best of the last 20 years. And I think it's a movie that as time goes on, people are going to come back to more and more and be like, yeah, this is a, a standout film, not only in his filmography, but in like the grand scheme of horror. Yeah. I think it's going to be one that people are going to look back at 20, 30 years from now. I agree. And I'm going to say this too. He like, so Rob Zombie, we've called him an auteur on the show. That's Mm -hmm. on air. That's on record. That's fact. It's true. And the thing about Rob Zombie as an auteur that makes him, I'm going to say it more interesting than an auteur like Christopher Nolan or Wes Anderson, both of whom like, I like their films. I love Wes Anderson, but like Rob Zombie challenges himself. He does things that are outside of his norm constantly, especially in the last decade. He's done this. He did an animated movie with El Super Bisto. He did a family comedy with the Munsters. Like, and arguably his worst film in the last decade, haven't seen it just from what I've heard, is 31 where he went back and tried to just make a Rob Zombie movie, like a Rob Zombie mm-hmm. movie. I wish that more auteurs had the like cojones to try and reinvent themselves every couple of movies like Rob does. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like it's And it's do so it cool. on the budget that Rob's on. Right. Does. Like I mean seriously, this guy is making these movies on like half a million dollar budget sometimes i was gonna say three or 31 is was a crowdfunded movie yeah three from hell i don't know if it it might have been i can't remember if it was i don't remember at least always shoestring budgets you know who he reminds me of a little bit he reminds me a little bit of kevin smith like he's kind of like horrors kevin smith and Kevin Smith is already kind of one of us because he makes horror movies that are great. I love them. I think but, that's um, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And they, they both do, like, they both make movies that they want to see yeah. on very small budgets. Kevin Smith makes like, Kevin Smith movies, but then when yep. he goes outside and makes Chasing Amy, it's like, oh my God. Yes. This is something different. I didn't know he had this in him. Yep. Same or with, Tusk. Yeah, or Tusk. <laughs> Same yep. with Rob here. He does the two movies we talked about, El Super Bisto and Lords of Salem. It's like, I didn't know Rob had that in him. Good. Yeah. Good for him. Same with Kevin does that too. And I think, yeah, that's a perfect, perfect yep. comparison for those two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Rob Zombie rules, guys. Come Rob on. Rob Zombie's incredible. I like I I seriously I, I hope, he's he's one of the best horror directors working today. I hope you go back and finish his filmography watch is it is 31 and three from hell the only ones you haven't seen i think so i think so because i've seen everything else Mm -hmm. to my knowledge 
So let's see, like House, Devils, Rejects. Corpses, Rejects, Super Beasto, Halloween, Halloween 2. Yep. Lords of Salem. Yep. 31, Three from Hell, Monsters. Yeah. So those are the those are the only two that I haven't seen. Yeah. And like I said, I want to rewatch the first two Firefly movies too, just mm-hmm. because. Um, like I said, they they I like Devil's Rejects. House of a Thousand Corpses grew on me. I don't think those are ever gonna be like my cup of tea where I'm like, I could put those on any time. They're like, not put on any time movies, though. No, no. But like his his you know, his monsters, his um like honestly, Lords of Salem. I know this is a heavy movie. I know this is a dark movie. I almost started it over again immediately after watching it. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be my new obsession for the next few months. I don't. I, can dis- already I tell. don't. I don't dislike Three from Hell. I think the first half. It's the opposite of his first Halloween. Of like, I really like the second half. It's the first half that kind of okay gets a bit muddy, especially when they deal with you know having to write out Captain Spaulding, Sid mm-hmm. Haig, and introduce Richard Brake as the yeah. third person. I don't know. But I like Richard Brake a lot in that movie. I love him in 31. He is the best part in the worst okay. Rob Zombie movie. I don't like that movie at all. But he, he's, he opens the movie and kind of closes the movie, and he is just incredible in that. Incredible. Yep. Especially his opening monologue. He is... Okay. I, Richard Brake rules. He's one of the best actors working today, period. I'm 100% going to have to uh, check out 31. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll be the outlier and 31 will be like, no, this maybe. is great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah. Let's wrap this thing up. We're going to be talking more Rob Zombie next time. I'm sure you'll probably watch some zombie i'll talk i'll talk a bit about the the concert and stuff like that too so yeah absolutely dude i uh yeah i also i canceled my netflix subscription because screw you netflix but i did end up buying the monsters on voodoo because i i still want access to that movie (laughs) so i'm sure i'll probably be talking about it next time because it's in my recently purchased on my voodoo library and i'm probably just gonna hit play on it soon (laughs) All right, Sam, before we wrap this up, let's answer our question from the top of the show, though. Oh, yeah. What's your letterboxed for? Okay, my letterboxed for. Did I get any right? You got one right. Okay. You got Lords of Salem. Oh, interesting. Okay. The other recent watch that made it into my top four is Dead Silence. Okay. (laughs) I just love that movie, dude. It's not the one I was expecting. Okay. (laughs) I love that movie. Um, This one. My soul to take. I'm always gonna. I'm always <laughs> okay. gonna bat for that movie. Like I love it. I love okay. it so much. And then uh, Trick or Treat, the '86 one with oh, Sammy Kerr. Interesting. I, I just I, wasn't expecting that. I love that one. I was, you know, I had the Dead Silence, Lords of Salem, My Soul to Take, and I'm like, what's the fourth movie I'm gonna put? And then I looked over and I saw my crappy looking DVD of that movie. The one that's just got the terrible cover art. And I was like, yeah, trick or treat's going to be the next one. <laughs> so that rounded out my top four. Uh, mine. What you are got, yours? Same. You got one right. <laughs> was it Wayne's World? It's Wayne's World. Yeah. <laughs> that one's just never going to leave my, my favorite. It's, it's the goat. It's my number one. I get that. Uh, the director I was referring to, Mr. Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. Duh. 
Oh my he, god, how did I not pick an Evil Dead movie? <laughs> he appears twice, Evil Dead 2 and Spider-Man 2. Yep. And the last one I put in there, Face Off, the, the greatest action movie ever made, Face Off. That's fair. I still have not seen Face Off. I need to. Because I know that you've told me multiple times to watch that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the show. Let's that's wrap the this show, thing. everybody. Let's wrap yeah. this thing up, Sam. Where Let's can people where can people find us on social media? Well, if you like this and you want more, we are always posting on our socials. We are on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm not calling it X. I'm sorry. Um, and TikTok um, sporadically. So you can find us on all of those socials. Just search Screams from the Basement. Yeah. Our handle is different on like just about all of them because we have a long name. <laughs> Um, and yeah, also if you don't watch these live streams and you just want to hear us when we, uh, when we, uh, drop these episodes on Fridays, you can follow us and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google podcasts. You can. And, and, and the last thing we got to bring up here, we have a merch store. Oh my God. Yeah. How did I forget about the merch store? We have a merch store. We are on T Public. You can just search for Screams from the Basement on there, or you can find a, a link on our social media. We have three designs, including the, the the wonderful logo that Sam created, the classic Screams from the Basement logo, and then a couple other designs, including some Scream and Mad designs and Scream Demons yeah. merch. So, yeah, some that cool helps. Cool stuff Casey whipped up. Some some very cool stuff. We need to order some for ourselves. I, I know, meaning to 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 do that. But I want yeah. one of all of them. <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, same here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, go rep- represent us if you can. We're going to be repping that. I'm sure on the show in the future. But yeah, heck yeah. We 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 heard. We answered. Mostly from ourselves that we wanted merch. Yeah. That's it. yeah. Yeah, I wanna I want a shirt with my podcast on it because I'm a narcissist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want people to be like, "Hey, what's that?" And I'm gonna be like, "It's my podcast. Check it out." <laughs> it's my podcast. Listen to me. Listen to my voice. <laughs> All right, Sam. Do you have anything to uh, say before we wrap up today's episode? Um, in honor of Bob Barker, get your pets spayed and neutered. That's that's what I got. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. 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 Get your pet spayed, neutered. The price is wrong, bitch. We'll see you guys next time. Thank <laughs> we'll you, see you all for listening. And... and sweet screams. <laughs>Scribe Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.